with no violence. It's just protection. It's not violence. Protection? That's bullshit and you know it. What's bullshit? I sold everything I own for this. Everything. My house, even the goddamn dishes. And you call it bullshit. What did you sell? What do you want? Just somebody to hand you a million bucks, huh? I'd take it. Hey, look. If we don't go ahead with this, you forget the dreams. We're going to be busting our butts for the rest of our lives for a pension that won't even pay the bills. Howdy folks and uh, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode, shit, what is it? Is it 240 or something? Or are we even past that? I don't remember because I'm actually not supposed to be running this thing anymore because somebody asked me to fill in for him. Uh, <laughs> it's two. <coughs> exactly. Thank you. It's episode, uh, yeah. It's, oh, actually, it's episode uh, 250. Oh my gosh, episode 250. Yeah, 249 was not 250. We're at 250. Go oh figure gosh, that out. We're halfway again to Deep Blue Sea. Exactly. All right, guys, you probably <laughs> recognize my voice. I am actually filling in for our good and dear friend, uh, Jeff, because he's been having some technical issues and he doesn't want to um, uh, go too far without, without, another, um, without another show. So he asked me, could you please, pretty please, with sugar on top, uh, do another show for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll fill in for you. And we had talked about um, before, we've mentioned this movie numerous times, called High Risk. And I believe we talked about it in the last episode. And this movie is actually, it's not streaming on any of your normal movie streaming vehicles, but you can find it on YouTube, which is where we all saw it. So if you put in High Risk Full Movie into YouTube, uh, you will find this great and fantastic film sitting out there. And it's a 1981 uh, production. It's got quite the cast. It stars James Brolin, Anthony Quinn, James Coburn, Ernest Borgnine, Lindsay Wagner, Cleavon Little, Chick Venera, and uh, let's see, Bruce Davison. And there's a few other people in here that we'll actually probably uh, mention later. But uh, it's it's got it's got quite the cast, and it's a uh, uh, it's an interesting film. But I'm just going to give you the uh, uh, the quick IMDb rundown of this uh, of this movie, and it's uh, four naive Americans in need of easy cash decide to fly to Colombia and raid the safe of a notorious drug lord with connections to the corrupt military regime. So that's. That's pretty much it, and that pretty much sums up this movie. And um, if you go on IMDb and look at the uh, the picture of High Risk, it is uh, quite quite funny. And it says they're not commandos; they're just fighting inflation. So it's <laughs> <laughs> there. You go. That's that's kind of the that's kind of the setup for the movie. So it's not really a. Uh, it's it's really. Uh, they, they've got it classified as an action, comedy, and crime movie. And uh, there's definitely a, a crime element, or a comedy element in this movie. Um, very much a comedy element. So, um, but anyway, uh, well, without further ado, 
Um, as I said, I am uh, I am your host, Steve Michaels, filling in for our illustrious uh, leader now that I'm in um, uh, semi-retirement, although I feel like El Pacino in uh, Godfather 3. I keep trying to get out. They keep pulling me back in, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I still like doing this. Sh- I still like doing this stuff. I just don't want to do it every day. But anyway, uh, introducing uh, my uh, uh, good and dear friend, uh, Ken, uh, just hit him in the back of the head with this pistol, Roni. Yeah, I, I'm glad you're back, Steve. You know, in, in in the spirit of the movie we're reviewing, for the remainder of the evening, I'll refer to you as El Jefe. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like that. Uh, and also joining us is our other good and dear friend. Uh, I still refer to him as the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs, but uh, in this case, I'll call him uh, Brian Hay. Let's go fishing, Miller. You know, it's really depressing when you look at the IMDb and you realize that uh, you're the same age as Ernest Borgnine was when you made this movie. <laughs> <laughs> or, or close. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now that you mention it, I can see that resemblance with you, Brian. Oh well, t- I-, I wouldn't get too far there, champ, because you're the same age as Anthony Quinn was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Wow, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. All right, so folks, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this movie, and if you have listened to our shows over the years, this movie has been brought up many times in passing about a movie that we needed to do, we should do. Uh, this is a personal favorite of Ken's, and um, so we finally did. We're going to talk about it because Jeff Jeff did the research. And he saw it out there, and sure enough, it's um, it's it. You can get it on uh, you can get it on YouTube, and um, uh, it's definitely it's definitely worth a watch. I will just uh, as as is my want, and um, I will kind of just throw out. I remember watching this. I had never heard of it before until I had actually, um, you know, met these guys, which was you know, God knows when long time ago right around time Ernest Borgnine made this no I'm just kidding um and I remember watching it for the first time and I don't know I I don't know if I I got the wrong movie or something like that because I remember (laughs) I remember it not being like overly impressed with that I'm like this movie's really pretty pretty stupid it's dumb and I'm like and I'm like I just I don't remember it being that good. So then I'm like, okay, let's watch it again. And I started watching again. Oh, my God, I had a ball with this movie. I mean, if I can ever find a DVD of it, I'll buy it. Because it is it is worth, it is definitely worth a rental. Uh, do not be dissuaded by the uh, uh, the rating that it gets on IMDb, uh, which is a 5.8 out of 10, because it doesn't definitely doesn't do it justice uh this movie's very very entertaining it's it's a lot of fun it is not it i mean it is it is definitely as brian said it's a, it's a popcorn movie you just you know you, you you get some popcorn get some beer watch it, and just enjoy it enjoy it for what it is don't don't ask too many questions kind of like how these four guys that have like real jobs back home just happen to know about a drug lord in Colombia who has a shit ton of cash in a safe and they know the combination. Don't ask how they know this because they never get into it. 
Um, I mean, the whole thing basically starts off with these guys like getting in a car, looking like they're going on a fishing trip. Next thing you know, they're they're meeting up with Ernest Borgnine and buying guns. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what's happening here? So it's 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 a lot of fun. It's it's a it's actually just a fun movie to watch. It's kind of one of those where you just sit there and you go, everything they seem to pull this thing off pretty smoothly. In the beginning, and then the whole thing just goes to shit in a in a handbasket right after that. But it's um, it, it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad we, uh, I'm glad Ken mentioned it. I'm glad that Jeff found it, and so here we are, on with the show. Ken, this is this is your movie, so let's let's hear what you have to say. Well, <clears throat> to start, I got several things to say. Number one. We've commented a number of times on the fact that sometimes youthful memory can overinflate, possibly, the uh, impact of a movie. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but uh, you know, I think all of us at some times are like, "Oh, I, this movie I remember. It's awesome," and then you watch it, and it's like, "Ah, maybe it's not as good as I remember." Uh, this movie kind of falls in that category. I, you know, I haven't seen it for years. But it is everything you said. I agree with, and it is—it's a fun romp. I mean, that's how I see it. Uh, you don't go into it expecting, you know, Lawrence Olivier type acting, even though you do have a really good cast of actors. Uh, I remember this movie again as a young guy. This is back in the days when we just got cable connected, early '80s. And I can remember watching TV and seeing the ad for this movie. But it was like the movie ad popped on TV, and I went like, oh, that looks interesting. Maybe I'll go see it. But this was a movie that it came out in like two theaters, played for a week, and vanished. And it turns out that the the distribution company went bankrupt prior to distribution so this thing really didn't get much of a release and it was essentially a straight to video type thing i mean it got a little bit of theater play but then it got on cable and when it hit cable i watched it and i really liked it as a young guy i mean it's got guns and humor and running around the jungle and you know an interest and and an interesting plot i think certain you know parts of it are very well written it has a lot of different views of what's going on because you have all these different groups of people, uh, you know, trying to get the money, trying to like get their revenge, figuring out what's happening. Uh, has a great ending. I love the ending. I mean, it's not like it's awesome, but I, I thought it was just great when I saw it for the first time. Uh, and it, it just entertained me. And as a side point, I think, Regular listeners know that you know I I've done a whole lot of wargaming and role playing in my younger days, and I still do a little bit, have my hand in a little bit. But I basically took this movie's plot and turned it into a role playing adventure like five or six times back in the eighties and nineties. And everybody time anybody ran it, they loved it because the idea was, you know, the players played themselves with their skills, their physical ailments and abilities and all. Brian was in one of those. And then they have to figure <laughs> out how, how do they get in, get the money, and get out alive. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so 
I and another thing I liked is they take certain tropes that you see in all these and lots of movies, and they twist it. And it's like, oh yeah, that that that's how that would really go down. It wouldn't go down like it does in all the movies. So I'm going to say I liked it. I will back off though and warn viewers: if you do watch it on YouTube, I believe that what you're seeing is a it's basically it's a bad copy of the movie. The cinema, you know, the 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 camera work, the cinematography you're going to see is kind of washed out and muddy looking, uh, and that's just because it's not an original uh, strip of film doing it. It's a copy, and that was a little disappointing. Uh, but I mean, the dialogue, the sound, the you know, the basic story, it's all good. But please don't hold the film quality, the cinematography quality, uh, to super high standards. Another part of this movie was it's this big ensemble cast, and from what I can tell, they gathered this cast, went down to Mexico with a sketchy film, with a, rather with a sketchy script, and sort of filled in the gaps and improved a fair amount of this. So, uh, I think they had some input from all the different actors, or at least a number of the, the main actors doing it. A lot of, lot of uh, scenery chewing, especially by Anthony Quinn. He, he kind of like dominates all of his role, all of his scenes. He's an interesting character in this movie. But they, the, all the major characters get a chance to do their thing. Uh, and that's about what I'll say is my opening, and I'll pass it off to Brian. I uh, I uh, uh, saw this. Mo- I, can't, I can't remember if I saw this movie because of your recommendation or prior to that. But I always had it in my head that this was a made-for-TV movie. And then after I watched it again, I realized with all the profanity, I thought, "Oh, wait a minute, this was not a made-for-TV movie." And then I realized it kind of went straight to video. So that's why I think I assumed that because it really never showed up. At least if it did make it to the big screen i don't recall it ever being there so it's out for like one week okay in like two theaters in town i I mean back to steve points this this movie kind of goes it's kind of in media res i mean you just this thing starts and the action starts and you you don't know how james brolin found out that there's a safe full of billions of dollars in mexico and he has the combination you know god knows i mean he's like a factory worker in la but he has this you don't know. I mean, th- th- their gun training was all of what twenty minutes. You know, with Ernest Borgnine trying to explain to them what they do and don't point that gun. Uh, did you see how many times they pointed those guns at each other when they were just trying them out? <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, but uh, anyway, though, you look at this cast. You got Anthony Quinn, two Oscars. Ernest Borgnine, Oscar before the movie, and later on, obviously, you have. Uh, Really, one of my favorite actors ever. I love James Coburn. I mean, anything James Coburn is in, I'll watch because that that dude. He was there was a word used to describe him. He was kind of like, uh, like a one man acting Rat Pack in terms of being just cool. He was like like the the cool guy in the room that seemed to see the joke that nobody else got. That's how he was in every movie he was in. And apparently, at this point in his life, I think he was fighting just some really severe arthritis, believe it or not. It was kind of crippling, and, and he figured out some kind of treatment in the 
late 80s or early 90s that allowed him to kind of do things again. But uh, but it's a fun movie. You can't think too much about this movie. Uh, you, you can't, you know. And God knows I'll mull over a movie as I hammered a certain movie a few weeks back. Uh, but part of my problem with that movie was people kept seeing it and making repeats of it. I'm like, one of this is fine. Seven, eight, ten of these, I am not so sure. So, but uh, oh, it's a fun movie. I mean, it's just another way to describe it. So, uh, but it definitely is a movie that I cannot look at without thinking of Ken. I, I agree. Uh, you, this movie always is going to remind me of Ken anytime I see it. So, yeah, like I said, I think with this one, it is. It's just a good. It's just a good romp. I mean, you know, essentially these guys somehow, some way, they know about James Coburn, who's, uh, you know, about the whitest guy in the world, who's like a drug de- or drug cartel guy down in Columbia. I, I'm not sure how that worked out, but uh, he, he is. And, you know, it's like they know his, they, they know he's got like, what, $6 million in a safe and, and they well, go I think they only thought it was like a million or two, and then yeah. it was like five, or it was it, it was multiples more than they thought it was going to be. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, it's, I, that never bothered me because it's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon syndrome. I mean, who do you know that might know somebody that's got some information? Right. I mean, it, it happens. It, that never bothered me, and they don't need to go into a big backstory. I just assume he had a friend or relative that was, like, hanging around this guy, and he got whacked. But passed on the info before he did. But, you know, that's, but that's the thing I liked about it is that they didn't get into all that. It just, here's the story. This is what we're doing. It just kind of, there, there was a whole lot of backstory to it, and you just really kind of bought into it. That somehow he knew, and we didn't need to know how he knew. But um, but you, did you almost kind of get the impression that the guys that were going with him, when they got to the point where all the guns started coming out, they're like, whoa, 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 what, 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 what's this for? You know, it just seemed like they were, they, they didn't sign up for that part. I don't know what they thought they were getting into, but they knew they weren't going fishing is what, <laughs> it's really yeah. kind of the whole thing. If I had to like fill in the backstories, it would be, you know, James Brolin's character had some prior skills or knowledge or something in that world. But, you know, he had settled down and now he's just working down at the plant with these other guys. But you are exactly right. It, you didn't, that wasn't a vague impression. These guys did not know what really they were getting into. And nope. they, they had to, he had to keep bucking them up and dragging them along. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, it's not exactly the same, but this has a similar, a little similarity to, uh, oh, shoot, what was that movie we did with Gene Hackman? Was it? Uh, oh, oh, God. When they went to get the POW. Yeah. Well, oh. Let's Get Harry was like this, too, if you ever yeah. heard of that movie. Yeah, that's uh, a good movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, shoot, was it? I'm, oh, I can't believe it. It's actually had text. Tex, what's his name? The boxer was in it. Yeah. Um, oh, Uncommon Valor. It was Valor. actually a good movie. Uncommon, Val- Uncommon Valor. Yes. Yes. No, this, this came out roughly at the same time frame as Uncommon Valor, and yep. I think it, it borrows a, a, some of the feel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Well, one, one quirky thing, you know, we were talking about how, you know, 
it's impractical, but whenever Kim would run this, hypothetically, we'd have a group of guys, we'd say, like, well, we got to get an airplane, we got to get guns. Or there'd be somebody sitting around the table that says, well, look, here's the deal. I can get access to these guns. So you had a guy to get the guns. You, you ended up having guys that, you know, you're, you're going like, are you shitting me? We really could get down there. You know, we really have, it turns out, amongst these people, there is a way that we could figure out how to get down there in the next 48 hours. Now, what happens after we get out down there at 48 hours is a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. But you're just like, oh, my God, th- this guy can do this. and This guy's got access to this money, which he was going to steal. But he was going to steal a certain amount of money to, to do this. And you're like, shit, you know. Well, yes. This is not incredibly far-fetched. No, I, I still remember last time I ran it, you know, but our friend Bill just goes like, we know I got the key to, <laughs> key to the game store, and there's a 44 Magnum and a pile of cash in a safe. I'm just going to borrow that for this. And our friend Keith's going like, well, my brother's got a, you know, he's got a license. He's got a BAR and an M16 and, you know, you know the H- HK submachine gun or whatever. I'm just going to, I got the key to his house. I'll just go borrow the, the automatic weapons well, average people have skills and talents but yeah. this movie did a good job of showing this particular group didn't particularly have that it's much lead that was flying about this movie that nobody that, that, that they didn't all die i mean obviously that's why they make movies because because yeah. they were they were just sheets of lead flying throughout this movie and nobody got hit well somebody did finally yeah it but. did have an eight well this was also in the same period that they're making the a-team no, and, you know, true. the A-Team led the way with this kind of uh, firefight technology. Well, all I got to say is that I, I kind of laugh because there was a, there's a Facebook page um, or group that I follow. And somebody had posted pictures of it was completely off topic and he got pulled. But they're like, you know, outside of this particular hobby, what else do you do? And this guy was showing off his guns. So, of course, all the gun nuts, we were all posting our guns and everything on there. And this one guy, he's got, um, and I, it actually, I thought it was an HK. It looked like it. And he gets up there, he pops a clip in there, and he just, and it's a fully auto. And he just starts, and I just started <laughs> laughing because it's like, you could count to like four, and he's out. Because he just held the trigger uh-huh. down. And I, I laughed because I said, this is, I showed it to my wife and I said, just so you know, I said, this is what I always, we, you know, us that know a little bit about guns. I said, that's what kind of fries us about like in movies. We call it the, the unlimited clip because they'll, they'll sit there and they'll just spray and spray and spray. And then, you know, like a scene will change and then they go back and they're spraying. Again. I'm like, he was out like three scenes ago and you never see him change a clip because and you saw that in this movie a lot, uh, how many times, because I think one of the guys had what, maybe it was a Mac-10. I'm trying to remember some of the stuff yeah, that they had. Yeah, they, they had Mac-10, they had some M16s. Yeah, and it just, I said, and I said, you start holding that trigger. I said, that ammo is going to go real quick. And I'm telling you right now, the amount of ammo that these guys were spending, First of all, I want to know where they were putting it because you can only put so many clips in your pants, and it's heavy. Ammunition is heavy. Um, the, the you know when you start putting it in, in a uh, you know you start adding up some thirty round clips. I just know like with my AR, there was you know I've got I think maybe four. I got probably four clips for it, and I remember one day I just you know I threw them in my bag with. Um, 
you know, my uh, ear protection, stuff like that, because I was going to the range. And I remember Deb picked it up. She goes, good God, what do you got in there, bricks? And I'm like, no. I said, it's just basically some, you know, it's, it's four clips of ammo. And I think I had, I, I take that back. I also had probably two boxes of um, uh, the 223s. Uh, and there was only maybe about another uh, 50 rounds in there. But it's, yeah. she's right. It's heavy. And I'm like, I probably got, a little over 200 rounds that's not a lot of ammo when you're running on a fully automatic weapon i mean you're going no. through that within i mean that's that's a couple of minutes of shoot time if that if even that so it's, yes. it's no, you, this does not pay attention to this but a thing i liked back even back when i saw this the first time and it when i watched it recently it brought it back is there's that if you're a gun aficionado you recognize there's a broad variety of firearms in this mm -hmm. movie depending on which group you're talking about because there basically comes down to four groups of people you've got the the four friends that go down and pick up an extra person on the way but the four friends that go down to rob the drug lord you got you know james coburn's people the people that go down there, they've got the the guns they got from, from Ernest Borgdine, the friendly neighborhood gun dealer with the <laughs> Doberman and unsmiling assistant. James Coburn's people have really serious firepower, which you would expect a successful drug runner to have. No, was that not, a fifty cal on that on that technical they had or that Jeep? Yeah. They're M60s. Oh, them six. Okay. With, with unlimited ammo. Uh, you have the Colombian Army, which they portrayed as having, I mean, from what I can tell, they had a good assortment of mid 80s, you know, you know, 45 calibers and, you know, automatic weapons. And then, uh, and then you had Anthony Quinn's people. And they had everything from, you know, M1 rifles to, you know, pump you know to lever action winchesters and but it was appropriate every group had the right mix of weaponry right and i, I well the other group is adios airlines they've got their <laughs> own thing but everything was appropriate and as a young man watching that i respected that because they could have had everybody like having a uniform like modern weapons and all like no no this it 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 fit the story mm -hmm. and there and, and like you just said there's backstories here each group of these people involved has a backstory you know Anthony Quinn's people they've got a whole thing going on I mean they can make a movie just about those guys right mm -hmm. Audi the the Adios Airlines dudes there's there's I'd like to there. I'd like to hear their backstory because those guys were badass. Yeah. <laughs> they were. Well, I mean, wherever they were, wherever they were at, I'm assuming somewhere down in Texas, but they flew from Texas to Columbia, with without triggering any radar or or having a flight mm -hmm. plan. <laughs> well, the thing the thing I loved about oh, it, and that's the I other part. Not not to interrupt, Ken, but the, the yeah. best part is it's like we're getting on a plane and then. Everybody was like all in the beginning. It was like, I'm not sure about these guns and I don't want to shoot anybody. But they get on the play. They have absolutely zero qualms about jumping out of it. 
How many of these guys have ever jumped out of a play before? I'd have been like, I am not jumping out of this play. Uh, <laughs> James Rowland, I think, had. I, I assume his character had the skills, but yeah. the other guys not. But, but, no, you're right, Steve. You get on the plane, you go, well, where do we land it? Well, we're not. You're jumping out. I'm like, hell, I'm jumping out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody was everybody. Yeah, they had the they had less training to jump out of a plane than they did with the five minutes with Urs Borgnine. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember when Ken ran the game. Slover broke both his ankles on impact. Remember that one? <laughs> the rest of the game, he was crippled. <laughs> remember, remember that? Both ankles snap, snap. <laughs> he rolled bad. What kind of thing? <laughs> no, but a a. A thing that they don't even, you said, like, you know, there's stuff going on they don't talk about. They just assume, you know, James Rowland sometimes, somehow gets this information. He's got the skills. He's got the knowledge. The Adios Airlines guys, they've got a whole story because, okay, you know, you watch them fly down. You see the plane. plane's kind of cool. They're kind of cool. Wild but then geese, when it man. comes time to leave, you see, you know, another one of their planes is sitting there by the runway. What's the story of that plane? Why is yeah. it there? You know, <laughs> who who did what to whom? And so I I li- love the fact that there's layerings here. I you know, the whole the whole thing of the first thing you see of James Coburn, he's he's entertaining some guests. Those guests play an important role in the movie. I mean, they got their own agenda, their own thing. So Federale's there hanging out with him. You know, all kinds of stuff going on there. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. I mean, the the whole thing is just a fun ride, and it. Uh, you almost got the impression that um, I was I was laughing after I was watching it because I went and looked at some of the trivia, and one of the trivia pieces I laughed about was the fact that they actually got a lot of the. The, the idea of the storyline from uh, Soldier of Fortune articles. And if you're of a certain age, kind of like we are, Soldier of Fortune was a big magazine back in the, uh, back in the eighties. And um, I don't, is that, I don't even know if that's even still around anymore. I don't think you used to be able to find that. There used to be a, there used to be a newsstand right downtown Indianapolis on, I think it's Maryland street. You can go in there and get any kind of magazine you want. I mean, I don't care what it was. There had to be 5,000 different magazines there. Remember that Ken? Yeah. And I mean, from paintball magazines to heavy duty porn to soldier of fortune, it was there. I mean, I don't care what your interest was. It was there. Wow. And, uh, but I haven't seen a soldier of fortune in man, 20 years, more, 30 a thing I thought was interesting was, if you read in Wikipedia the article about this movie, the the director, and guy that helped you know basically write the script and uh, the script and get it all going, his original inspiration for this was he was hired to do a documentary on people that were in Spanish prisons after getting arrested for smuggling hashish out of Morocco. So he made this documentary about it and after he got the documentary made he found out that the people who were fronting him money and encouraging him to make the movie was a gang of people that wanted to figure out what's the best way to smuggle hashish out of <laughs> Morocco so they inter- you know, they got him to do all the interviewing of people how'd you do it well this is how you do it so they took that knowledge and put it to use 
So did the documentary actually get made? Is it out there for? Is it something we should well, review? It, it got made, but I don't think it, <clears throat> you know, did anything. But from what I can tell, you know, that got him interested. He did research. He figured out this would be an interesting script. Recruited a good cast. You know, there's not a deep, you know. Well, on on one hand, there's not a deep uh, story here, but on the other hand. I appreciate what efforts they took to imply backstories and depth. And it's not like this is the be all and end all of what's going on. It's just like these, these four guys or five guys just got inserted into this world where all these other people are doing their own stuff. And, you know, they don't explain it. They don't go deep into it. It just is stuff happening. Right. And I think part of the, you know, the fun of this is, I mean, when I was watching it, <clears throat> you know, there was a few times as I'm watching this, I was actually having a hard time being on their side because I'm like, these guys are so effing stupid. They deserve what happens to them. I mean, just some of the stuff that they would do. Um and it just, and I guess that's the thing. I mean, obviously, when you always say, I would never do this or I'd never do that. And it's like, well, that's why you, you'll you never make a movie because you're, it wouldn't, the, the movie wouldn't have turned out that way. But, um, I mean, there's just, I mean, there would just be certain things that after everything's said and done, it's like, I can't believe you guys, you know, after escaping out of the prison and doing all this, ah, you know what, let's take off all our clothes and jump into the waterfall. And, and just hang out over here for a while because no one's looking for you. Right. <laughs> it's like, he's got the, he's got the James Goldberg guys looking for him. The bandits are looking for him. And, and it's, I, I like the whole, and, and let's talk a little bit about, cause I know we've talked about James Coburn and, and, and honestly, the whole reason that they're doing all this is, you know, this is 1981. This is, uh, you know, we've got, you know, major inflation going on here. It's not Weimar Republic, but it was pretty freaking high. Um, yeah, there's a recession going on. Yeah. It was a rough economy. It was a very rough economy. I mean, it's, um, I mean, I would, and it, and the problem was, is that economy lasts a long time. It wasn't, it wasn't over quick. I mean, I know a lot of people talk about the Great Recession and how bad that was. I mean, compared to, compared to what we were going through during the, uh, the Carter administration, the first couple of years of the Reagan administration, that was a lot. That was many years of very, very rough times. I mean, high unemployment, high inflation. It was bad. Yep. I mean, those days, those were bad times. I mean, I know the recession here. Everybody talking about how bad it was, but that was a that was a bump compared to those early eighties. Um, and I even, I mean, I was pretty young at that point. I mean, I was just starting high school but even i remembered it because it was 18, like 18 19 interest rates man yep pretty much it was it was horrible yeah there was there was absolutely zero home construction going on back then <laughs> couldn't afford it um but anyway <clears throat> that was the purpose of this i mean their whole thing is you know we're just working stiffs let's let's go let's go rob this guy 
And, we have an opportunity. Yeah, we got an opportunity presents us. I mean, and no one really, and even James Brolin's character, who you almost kind of get the impression, like you said, Ken, this guy's got some skills. Maybe he was a Vietnam vet. He's had a little background. You didn't get that from the other guys, but no. um, you know, but he clearly was the leader, and clearly kind of had this, um, you know, I've got nothing left. So I mean, he he just. You know, he was he was on a mission. He was he was coming out with that money, and if the guys were with him, great. If not, oh well. But um, but it was just I just thought it was a great. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun to watch how they just progress through all this stuff. All the people they're running into, you know, uh, uh, the, the the two guys that got ended up getting caught, then they got thrown in the prison. How they got out. And um, and I have to admit, I, and, and that's the thing, Lindsay Wagner, they, they run into her in the prison. You have no idea why she's in jail. And she's looking, she's looking fabulous. I mean, you're, you're sitting in a freaking Colombian jail. You still look, you, you're still looking hot, but you have no idea why she's in there. They well, never... And- yeah, you you don't. And then the way that story splits, where those you got Brolin and the other guy out there getting shot at, doing this. You got these guys, you know, running around in their underwear, wearing yep. women's clothes. <laughs> I mean, it's just totally madcap, different direction. You know, it just is. <laughs> Remember the scene when they broke into the house of the gal and the little little Mexican guy. <laughs> I kept expecting to bonk him on the head, like, you know, like, bonk, you know. <laughs> it's such a crazy scene. Well, I think one of, I think to me, one of the funniest scenes in what it pulls out is, you know, one of those tropes when they're actually trying to get out of the, the James Coburn's compound. Don't, Com- don't give it away. Don't give it away? Okay. Don't, don't give it away. Because it's such a classic reversal of the oh, horror. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I know. Yeah. This is one we always talk about, right? Oh, it's what we always. It's, <laughs> let's just put it this way. Let's put it this way. Knocking someone out isn't as easy as you think it is. is That's is what exactly it, right. <laughs> so it's we like won't. Every other action movie, they just do this. Yeah. Routinely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty much willing to bet that. Anybody that's listening to the show has never seen this movie. And I would be shocked, shocked, I say, uh, to find out if they did. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to throw it up on the Facebook page. I'm going to put a quote out there and see if anybody picks it up. Although the only problem is, is that there's only one quote on IMDb. So I'll have to come up with something. Um, I've, got, I've got other quotes. <clears throat> all right. Well, you got to throw them out there so I can put it in. But um, Okay. So, you know, some of the actors, let's talk a little bit about them. Obviously, uh, James Brolin uh, is, uh, I think this probably is our first James Brolin movie, if I'm not mistaken. I, don't think... I am pretty sure it is, yes. Yeah, yeah I don't think we've Guy's ever... Been, he's prolific. He's done tons of movies. Oh, yeah, he's he... done a bunch of movies that I really like. Really? He, he was like... in Fantastic Voyage. He was in mm-hmm. Our Man Flint. Westworld? He was in Von Ryan's Express. I didn't know he was in Von Ryan's Express. Wow. No. Von well, Ryan's Express is a, a great movie. He had to be a backbencher in all those movies. Cause, oh, he was. But he was yeah. in this. He was in, uh, looking at his, his, he's in Capricorn 1. He was in Westworld. He was one of the leads in that with OJ. Yeah. Yes. 
So, no, he's been out there a long time, very busy doing, I mean, he does a movie every, about every year on average. That guy's a very busy guy. And he, he I mean, he's, he's got a straight, he's got one coming out. He did uh, Being Rose in 2019. He also did, I mean, Brolin probably was better known as a kind of a movie guy or rather a TV guy. Marcus Welby MD was his big, I think. He yeah, he's in the West Wing back when that was a big thing. Uh, he's in, he did the old, like you said, I mean, he was in the old, but several of the old Westerns back in the day, like he did Gunsmoke and things like that. Mm-hmm. So again, guy's a busy guy. And I think he's a pretty good actor. Got a lot of presence. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we got, uh, you got Anthony Quinn. And um, that that guy's a legend. Oh, yeah. And it's I mean, that's the thing that gets me about this movie, because it's it's almost like one of those. Did these guys do this on a lark? Did they lose a bet? And I don't mean that in a bad way, because it's a it's a fun movie. But you just kind of wonder. It's like, you know, these guys. You know, these were some pretty established actors. At this well, point, I think, I think they looked at the script that they saw the potential, and I think a big part of it was, again, outside the control of the people directly making the movie. That the 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 money people behind this went broke right before the movie came out, so they couldn't produce. They they couldn't really get it out into theaters. They couldn't advertise for it. And it just sort of went out there and died. Well, I mean, part of it too is like, I mean, you look at, you look at, at Borgnine's career, and you know, he started making movies like this about that time. That you know, they, they were not movies that were, you know, coming out with big promotions and all. I mean, you know, these these guys they get older. I mean, they're just not as in demand. To be real honest, including including Quinn, uh, for all as prolific and great as he as they both were. Uh, you know, you get older, you just start taking jobs, you know, you start showing up made for TV movies and, you know, doing TV work and just doing things, you you know, it's the old Jack Elam thing, you know, where, you know, <laughs> it's, we're, you know, the, what was the saying, you know, it says, uh, I want, uh, I want the guy like Jack Elam. I want Jack Elam. And then who's, who's Jack, Jack Elam? Elam? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you know, that's, actually, yeah, no, that's I a, remember when this came out, I was looking, I was just looking at, uh, Anthony Quinn's filmography the same year this came out, he did a movie called Lion of the Desert, which was actually pretty good. It was a movie about the struggle between the people of Libya and uh, the Italians, the Italian invaders trying to conquer them You know, prior to World War II. It was financed by Muammar Gaddafi, but it was actually a pretty good movie. Uh, but yeah... If you go back to the 60s, and even in the 50s, going all the way back to the 40s, Anthony Quinn was very busy and did a lot of very serious roles. Dude's won two Oscars. He's a real deal. Shoes of the Fisherman. I mean, all, all kinds of movies. I mean, just, well, and again, Borgnine, too. I mean, uh I mean, bear in mind, Borgnine was doing Airwolf at this time. Just yeah. give you some idea. I mean, at the very same time. Uh, so, and again, uh, 
with regard to uh, Coburn, he just he just wasn't appearing as much and stuff because he was physically having some some issues. Yeah. Well, I was just looking at, at Anthony Quinn's filmography. His first roles were in 1936. God, yeah, this movie wow. came out. <laughs> he had a long, long career. He'd have been, been nineteen. Say, he'd have been twenty-one then, because he's born like nineteen fifteen, I think. Yeah. No, he he just worked and worked and worked, but his character in this movie is an interesting character, I think, and I think it, you know, I think he brings a lot to the the movie. All through every scene he's in, I think he dominates the scenes he's in. More so than Coburn in this movie. Coburn really wasn't in this movie a ton. No. Frankly. Yeah, hardly at all. He was, yeah, yeah. He, Coburn was more of a, a, a menace slightly on screen. I mean, mm -hmm. you knew he was there. But it also you got the impression like, yeah, he's dealing with this problem, but he's got other stuff going on. I mean, he's got deals to make, business to conduct. He's 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 still doing his thing. This is a this this whole everything going on in this movie is just an annoying distraction to Coburn. For Quinn, it's like this is like my deal. If I can like really handle this right, I'm going to be back in the game. And you know, the five the five Yankees that show up, it's like you know they're just like trying to get out of it once they get in. Yeah, they're 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 screwing everything up, and you get the impression. Yeah, I mean, it's like Quinn's not a bad guy. I mean, he didn't, um, you know, when he when they ran into him. I mean, he could have just whacked him, but he didn't. Um, but you know, you, you start realizing that, um, you know, once once Brolin and uh, what's his name. Uh, the one other guy, when they get away, it's like, it's, you know, Quinn's whole attitude changed. You know, he yeah, went he, Well, it, because he had been, he lost face with his group. Right. His but group no, was unique too, by the way. His, his group was unique and there was actually, <laughs> I'm not going to go deep into the various people in his group, but like. I thought they were well played for what they're doing. It, you got the definite idea. This was not like a coherent, solid gang. It was a bunch of people sort of hanging around with Anthony Quinn with their own different reasons for hanging around. Yeah, you got the one old lady. I couldn't tell if that was his wife or what she was. You had the one guy that was kind of crazy. I don't even. Keep, I, I don't know if he could even speak his own language. You know, because he, <laughs> yeah, you'd tell him to do something, and you know, he oh, did he do it? Kinda. So, you know, it's just it was it was a fun little movie. I got it. Man. It's a fun little movie. Yeah. No. Just curious. What? What? I'm start out. What do you guys think of Lindsay Wagner's role in this movie? Because I thought she was gorgeous. Uh, again, Lindsay Wagner going into this movie, she had been a major presence on TV because she was the bionic woman, you know, the counterpart to the six million dollar man. She had her own TV series. She was famous throughout the world. Uh, and in this movie, I thought she was kind of fun. I mean, she was kind of annoying, too, but I, I had a hard time hearing her cuss. Because I, she, you know, bear in mind, I watched her on TV for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. 
I mean, I mean, I was like a teenager, you know, when she was on TV. Well, I was a teenager for a long time, but but I mean, like an early teenager. And all of a sudden, she's she's throwing out some pretty serious language in this movie. And I was a little surprised. It, it, it was a shock to me, you know. But no, I thought she was fine. Handsome woman. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, her when we did Nighthawks, which is uh, uh, the last episode we did. And I, I thought it was kind of interesting because... I saw her in that one, and this is made, I think, basically right around the same time, probably same year, yes. or maybe about a year yes. before, year after that. And like I said, she's not something that I would be like, oh, my gosh, she's pretty hot. In this movie, she was pretty hot. I, I liked her. I don't know just the way they made her look or her kind of her sassy attitude or something like that, but I was I was pretty impressed with her in this one. Yeah, and it was actually pretty good because, you know, like like you both said, I mean, she just sort of pops into the movie. I mean, it's not like you're expecting to see her. I mean, all of a sudden, like, there she is, and she's no one. Why is she there? We don't know, but she kind of, well, I'll say it. She dominates for a period of the movie. She's teamed up with two of the other guys in the group, and but she pretty much, she knows the score. She tells them what to do. She dominates the, the situation, and they pretty much follow her lead. So, But they're on her turf in terms of knowing what's going on. Right. She, This is her turf. She's been there. She knows the score. They don't. They can't even hardly finagle a you know, eight-year-old. Uh, which is a good scene. Right. Which is a good little scene. Yep, that's funny. <laughs> you know, one other person that I want to just – throw out there because i remember when i was watching i'm like god bless it where have i seen that one guy before he was one of the pilots on adios air i'm like really one of the pilots i'm like i have seen that guy in something else and i looked it up and his name is richard young and he is in he is the uh he is the guy if you watched indiana jones and the last crusade Uh he was the guy that gave Indiana Jones's hat. He was the other adventurer dude that was going after Cortez. Oh my god. That's the same guy. It's the same guy. Cuz I'm like yeah, one seen... of those guys is a photographer now I think somewhere. <clears throat> That's but, him, yeah. yeah. No, we we also got to mention I mean Cleveland Little is in this movie. I oh, mean yeah. he had done Blazing Saddles. Yep. Just yes. a few years before. Which and, was an incredible turn of starting for for him. Yes. Now he blew through, and he he was getting a bunch of good roles. And hate to say it, he kind of wound up in this movie. I, I'm sure they had higher. Everybody in this movie had higher hopes. I mean, I'm sure everybody that got in this movie is going like like if you're a Cleveland Little League, like man, I'm in a movie with James Coburn and Anthony Quinn. This is going to do great. And then it just sort of like disappeared well i think this was bruce davison's one of his first movies and arguably he's probably the i mean of course some of these guys are dead but arguably davison may be the most active actor of that bunch right now uh i could be wrong but i haven't checked his imdb but bruce davison's done a lot of stuff over yeah the last two, 20, 200, years. 268 uh productions and he is Wow. Just, I mean, you look at, if you go on his IMDb page, he is in completed, complete, one, two, three, four, 
Uh, there's three completed, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, that are in pre-production, post-production, wow. and one announced. So this guy, yeah, he and it's he's one of those guys that I remember when I saw him, I'm like, okay, what have I seen him in? It's like, I don't know, pick a movie. You probably, it, it's, you, you've got a yeah. pretty good shot at getting it because he is um, a very uh, recognizable face. And I yep. always get him confused with this other dude. And I just, and, and for the life of me. I bet I, I know who it is. And I, oh, God. I think the other dude you get him confused with is past. Uh, oh, I'll have to look it up. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, because, I mean, there's another guy that looks exactly like him. And it's scary yeah. how much he does. No, it's a shame that this movie was not a great success because if it was a great success, they could have done a whole side series of adventures of the dudes of Adios Airlines. Exactly. Yeah, this is that would have been that would have been a story I'd, I'd follow. It. I think it'd be a pretty cool story. And you know what, Ken? That's something that would have been that that they would have done in like the 2000s. If you get a movie like this, they throw it in the 2000s, they do these spin-off ones where it's like, "Oh, we're going to make a we're going to make a sideshow off of this." And you know, but at that time they just didn't do that stuff. So No. All right. Uh I tell you what, let's move on to um let's move on to one of our other favorite parts of the show and that is uh brother what you drinking. So um I'm going to ask uh, the reverend what he's got going. Well, the Reverend is still sticking to his plan of no alcohol and herbal snuff. Oh, my and, God. Uh, <laughs> I've actually gotten used to it now. So, I'm, what is it, May 6th to today? Wow. I had a taste of wine at a wedding the other night just to sip, and that's been it. So, Diet Pepsi. Hoorah. Oh, my gosh. I I respect what you're doing. So... How is herbal snuff anyway? It's not terrible. Okay, you get used to it. What I I don't even want to know what the herbs are, but I don't know. I don't know. It's a Smoky Mountain Premium Herbal Snuff Wintergreen. (laughs) (laughs) It's molasses, corn, silk, water. Oh, some of the other stuff I don't know about glycerin. I don't even want to read some of the others. It'll probably kill me before tobacco would, I yeah. guess. Well, the gl- the glycerin is it. That's that's what's going to do it. All right, so, <laughs> so there you go. There you go. All right, all right, guys. Well, what I've had actually prior to this, um, I was uh, drinking a little uh, <clears throat> a little bourbon that I picked up when I was uh, on my way to Florida. Stopped at a liquor barn in Bowling Green and I got a bottle of Old Forester's Prohibition batch. So I I took us I was drinking a little bit of that before uh or actually during the show when we started. But I'm I'm over that and but beer wise one that I am drinking now, I've actually had this uh a couple times. I don't think I've ever showcased it on the show, but when I was um uh, my mom's got a friend that came back from Wisconsin, knows I'm a big fan of beer, and she bought me um, a 12-pack of what they call Spotted Cow. Never and heard of it. Spotted Cow. It's from the new Glarus, G-L-A-R-U-S, brewing company. It's Spotted Cow. It is a farmhouse ale. It's uh, it's very delicious. I really do like this beer. It's nice. It's light. It's crisp. 
and um, and it makes me happy. So, uh, if uh, any of you cheeseheads out there that listen to the show, I'm sure you guys are familiar with this one because it's my understanding this is kind of like the uh, the Sun King of 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 Madison, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, how Sun King is like the uh, the beer of choice down here in uh, local in, favorite. It's a local favorite, and I understand it's got uh, a fairly wide reach throughout Wisconsin. So I'll be curious to know if any of our Wisconsin friends uh, uh, have had it and what their thoughts are. I personally think it's wonderful. So um, that's what I'm drinking. And without further ado, I think it's time for catching up with Ken. Well, uh, catch up with Ken. I I've phased back in the recent days on all the stuff I've been doing. Uh been keeping busy. Been summer's been good. Things are fine, uh, but I haven't been doing anything really exotic lately. I can't say that for the show tonight. I've been drink. Well, first to back off. I respect Brian and his attempt at cleaner living, healthier living. It's good. Uh, back several months ago, I had a health screening and. One of the results that came back was possible liver damage. So, like, I'm like, oh, damn, I got to, like, back off. So I've been drinking less. I'm not drinking as heavy as I was. I backed off. I told myself I'm only going to drink alcohol on special occasions. But, listeners, as you know, the Man Cave Movie Review is a special occasion. <laughs> so I am drinking tonight. Uh, started out, I had my norm, which would be Steve. What would it be? Uh, vanilla vodka. Vanilla vodka and Diet Coke. Okay. But in honor of our movie, I'm following it with a chaser of Jove Cuervo tequila. Oh. Because this movie was made in Mexico, <laughs> and in Mexico. I will say this, an area that I know I'm sadly lacking in is tequila knowledge. I went to a tequila tasting a few years ago with a very knowledgeable guide and realized that tequila, there's as much art and craft in tequila as there is in bourbon and whiskey and beer and all these things. Uh, We're in a golden age of all these alcohols and we're in a golden age of tequila. Now, I'd like to say that I have some exotic tequila like you know the other day i was listening to a, a podcast joe rogan's podcast with uh he had dan Aykroyd on there dan Aykroyd's been in a few man cave movies mm-hmm. but uh dan Aykroyd's got his own line of crystal skull tequilas but they really? cost like a hundred bucks a bottle so i'm just drinking out of my stash of again generic Jose Cuervo, not bad. Haven't had a sip yet. Let me go now. Here goes. Thank you, Brian. Pretty good. Tequila's good. Wow. I will be doing my bar of the month tomorrow. If either of you are free... Come on down to the Fountain Square Theater. You've got invites on Facebook, but uh-huh. Fountain Square Theater, Rooftop Garden. It's a beautiful venue. 
6 o'clock, bring your spouses. They will love you. They will think you're a cool dude if you come on down. So, And if you are coming down, I'm going to have dinner at the new Italian place downstairs at 5. So there's All right. that. All right. Nice. That's me. And I still got more than shot bottle or shot glass, so I'll keep sipping it. Tequila. I just can't do whole shots. I mean, that's one of my weaknesses. I, okay. I am a weak man. I'm not really as tough as I would like to be. But there's guys that can just toss down a shot. I got to sip a shot. Okay, so, Ken, what you were talking about, and ladies and gentlemen, forgive me for going off on a rant here, but I'm going on a rant. What you said about tequila, uh, being a craft a lot like bourbon, that is absolutely true. I did not really understand that until, oh gosh, this is probably maybe about five, six years ago. And of all places, I, I go down to Disney World, and there is, in the Epcot Center, in the Mexican Pavilion, there is a tequila bar that gets... I mean, people line up for you know for an hour before. Brian knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. I sure do. Yeah. So it was probably about five or six years ago. <clears throat> I had gone in there, and, and and I'm looking at all these tequilas, and it's the same thing. And I just told you, I said, I, I I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. All I've ever drank was like Jose Cuervo, and it's you know, and you were either making margaritas out of it or you were doing snake bites that's what that's what you did with tequila i and i said i understand from stuff i've read that there's you know you could sip it he goes of course there's it you know because that's what he said it's like the bourbon of mexico and i said all right recommend something good i said you know what as long as it doesn't go over 100 bucks give me something and so he picked one out and he pours it and it's like almost like in this little champagne glass. It looks like a little tiny champagne glass. And it was wonderful. And it's like yeah. you don't you don't slam them back. You're just supposed to sip it. You're supposed to sip it just like you would a whiskey. And um even though I said that one doesn't have to go over 100, I spent I spent a lot of money in there. Okay. <laughs> well, it was, it was, I was going to say, Steve, Disney's expensive. I've never had anything at that tequila bar. Yeah. And I don't mind spending money at Disney because that place is expensive. It is expensive. And I spent I spent a lot of money in there. And I, I got talked to about it. And, um, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm, I have actually been in that. On my one time in Epcot, yeah. I went in there. I had a little tequila. But it is true. In, in America. Yeah. For many years, I'm not saying like now, but if you go back, like let's say in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, we were not getting the really good tequila here. No. The really good tequila was back in Mexico. Right. And we were getting decent tequila. I don't even know if we were getting decent tequila. I mean, it was. Well, we're, getting, think... we're getting functional tequila. It yeah, did the I... job. Yeah. But like you said, what we wanted, what in America they wanted was, okay, what do I throw in my margarita? Right. It wasn't the appreciation of the individual drink. And the thing I, I'm sad about was for years we had a really nice place called Adobo downtown 
which was a really good tequila bar. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I loved it. And it was great. And then all of a sudden one day it's like, poof, it's gone. Because again, I, for whatever reason, people just didn't have the appreciation for just tequila, uh, here that they should. Yeah. And I think part of that can is, uh, unfortunately it's, I mean, tequila here, you, you were basically doing You were doing shots. That was yeah. I, at least my experience, like, you know, growing up in the eighties, it's like, ah, tequila shots, do steak bites. And it was, it was a bottle of Jose Cuervo and you were drinking like really harsh. I mean, it was, you were drinking, like you were doing, it was like doing shots of like freaking Jim Beam or, you yeah. know, uh, like that bottom shelf whiskey. So yes. if that is the only experience you've had for of, of, of like, say, bourbon, be like, oh, I'm never going to drink bourbon. No, but you got to really try Woodford or try Foresters or try Blanton's or. It is a whole different world. It's a whole different world. It is exactly like Ken said. It is a whole different world. And uh, we didn't mean to turn this into the uh, high risk tequila podcast. So we're, we're going to we're going to just stop right there and move on to um, uh, to one of the other greater parts of the show. And that's going to be the um, help me out here, guys, because it's been a while. The top 10. It's going to be the top 10 of 1981. Right, Ken? I, I, it is, and awesome. I am ready for it. Uh, however, however, I, I do need to, as is my want, yes. I oftentimes will start out by just saying, okay, we're going to talk about uh, a few other movies okay, that were done in 1981 when this movie came out. And... Hang on, bear with me just a moment. In case listeners cannot tell, when you drink vanilla vodka and Diet Coke and follow it with a tequila chaser, your 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 <laughs> your ability to do anything is reduced. Uh, but no, I actually did research because we were going to do this about a week ago, and right. I looked out at like 1981 in film. There's the, I've got the top ten. But I first have to talk about some of the other movies that came out that year that I think you all might have a comment or two about. So if I can, I I wrote them down. Let me go down the list. Some of them, I'll just say, 1981 was a great year in Man Cave movies, probably because of the age of all of us and our youthful memories and everything else. But starting out on my list, we have... A Man Cave movie. The Time Bandits. Oh, we did that. Oh, shit, I should have the Beecham Files up. Now, Muncie does not share our love of the Time Bandits, to my understanding. Was it Muncie or you, Ken? I don't think you were a big fan. I'm ambivalent. I'm okay with the Time Bandits. But I wasn't as excited about Mark and you and maybe Brian. Oh, I didn't do Time Bandits uh, with you guys, but I do like the movie. Yeah, Mark, I think, was really high on the Time Bandits. I'm okay with the Time Bandits. Yeah, Another movie that came out that year, which I saw in the theater and I thought was great. Maybe it's lost a little bit in the translation over the years, but I think it's still worth doing. We've never actually reviewed it, but it's Heavy Metal. Oh, my gosh. That was 81? Yes. Wow. Very unique movie. I mean, 
I think it's a kind of important movie. We should do heavy metal. We should do that. Actually, heavy metals is a very important animated movie, and it's also got a lot of connections to some guys that later became stars. Uh, for example, um, oh, Second City TV. Uh, oh shoot, uh, Uncle uh, uh, Uncle Buck. Uncle John Buck. Candy? John Candy's in that, that movie, as I recall, has a role. God, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, just real quick, Ken. Um, time Bandits, because I pulled up uh, an old copy of The Beecham Files. Yeah. Uh, episode 172. I would have thought that was earlier, to be perfectly honest with you. It's, uh, a, good, I mean, it's a good movie. Unique. I must have barely missed it. Time Bandits is unique. I mean, it's it's what it is. You can't mistake it for other movies. Right. At another movie that came out that year, which you know wasn't a man cave movie, which I thought was very solid, and could be a man cave movie, was Gallipoli. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. early movie for uh, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Yeah. World War One mm-hmm. in the trenches in Turkey. And, you know, good story, good characters. Uh, another movie which came out that year, which was a Man Cave movie, because we did review it, was American Werewolf in London. Oh. <laughs> the Jenny Agutter. Yeah. Who was in uh, the one of the more recent Avenger movies. Or no, Winter Soldier. I believe she was in Winter Soldier. Jenny yes, Agutter she was. was. Yes, she was. Episode was 192. She's been in several man cave movies again she was a major hottie of the 80s 70s and 80s uh, another movie man cave movie what we all love the evil dead that's that old god yes that was uh, that was yeah. done on the on the weekends right uh the d- d- uh d- oh shit uh they all they're all they all grip like flint michigan together if i'm not mistaken right yes uh, and they did it. They drive down to somewhere in Tennessee and do this movie. And I think uh, Bruce, uh, what's his name, was still in college. Bruce I think they're all in college. Yeah, they were yeah. all. In, it's it's what got Bruce Campbell started yeah. on his path. Yeah. And again, Bruce Campbell's a favorite of the podcast. Yep. Another movie which I saw in the theater that year. I don't think we reviewed it, but it is a man cave movie. His escape from New York. Ernest Borgdine vehicle. Um, yeah, and we got we escape from New York's got. Uh, oh, obviously. Uh, Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Lee oh. Van Cleef. Oh, and oh. my and my female dream. Adrian Barbeau. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, to quote Jeff. And Isaac Hayes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Ox Baker. <laughs> uh, Ken. Yes. Au contraire, mon frère. We did do Escape from New York. That was episode 119. That's back in July 16th of 2014. So that was a while ago. That was a... We're getting too damn old. Man, it's... I'm going I'm to be in the home soon talking about these movies. <laughs> you were there and well, you gave it a 7.5. Yeah, memory's the second thing to go, Ken. <laughs> Well, sexual functions are long gone. So. <laughs> I don't know about that. Another movie which we have not done, but we've talked about many times, 
is Das Boot. Oh, yeah, we got to do Das Boot sometime. It is, it is, I mean, look, look, it is singularly one of the best foreign films that we could ever do. And two, it is one of the best war films uh, that has ever been done, I, I would say. I would put it in the top ten of all war films, right. probably. I agree. I agree. Right. Another movie, which was a man cave movie from this year, was Night Riders. You know, I've never seen that. And I've got a friend of mine 30 years ago told me I should see that movie because that was the opening vehicle for, uh, oh man, for. Uh, Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Yes. And, and just no, so we, we did the review of it. We and did. I think I gave it a relatively moderate score i don't know were you on the show that was episode 146 ladies and gentlemen um, maybe, maybe i wasn't maybe you were I wasn't. not it was me and mark <clears throat> okay mark and i were the only two on that show it is a okay, very, but i what do you th- what do you think steve how do you, do you like it oh i loved it i got like i think i gave it like a seven and a half <clears throat> it's a very different movie but um yes but it's yeah, Ed Harris, uh, a B five reference in there. Yeah, Pat Tallman looking just. That's right. I forgot about that. Smoking hot, but yeah, great movie. Awesome. Another movie which came out in 1981, which was a man cave movie, was Outland with Sean Connery. Peter Hyams, I think, was the director of that, if I'm not mistaken, and he also did. Uh, oh shoot, uh, 2010, I think. Hyams did. You know, I believe that was the director. Maybe I'm wrong. Outland's a solid movie. Very solid. High noon and high noon in space. High noon in space. Episode twenty. Another, episode twenty, ladies and gentlemen. Just so you know. Yes, I think that was one of my early episodes. Uh, well, another, what's her what's her name is nominated for an Oscar. The gal that played the doctor in that. She might uh, have won she, it. Yes. Mary Steenburgen. Yes. No, not in that movie. No, 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 no. Not Mary Steenburgen. I thought her. I thought it was something like Francis Sternhagen. Uh, Francis, Francis Sternhagen. 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 Yeah. Francis yeah. A natural mistake. Who, natural. by the way, just got nominated for like an Oscar or something just within the last six or seven years. She's got to be 110, yeah. you know, but because she was not young in that movie. But no. Yeah. Uh, another movie that came out that year, which I don't think we've done. Maybe we did. Was Scanners. We did do scanners because uh, the great the great Patrick McGowan was in scanners and we talked about him. We did episode two fourteen. He was also Longshanks. Yep, true. And then finally, another movie which was a man cave movie that year was Southern Comfort. Oh yeah. When you guys did Southern Comfort, I because that is a movie to me that is a loss. It's a what's the word? I'm a lost classic. You yeah. never see it. It's a damn good movie, yep. and uh, love that movie. Yep, that's a gem. Episode so, yeah, going e- back. Episode fifty-three. Nineteen eighty-one. I saw wow. about half these movies in the theater. You know, they they burnt again. This was nineteen eighty-one. Was my time. I was a young man. I had money in my pocket wasn't scoring with the chick so like hey i gotta go to the movies so like i saw a lot of these movies out there and you guys were a few years behind me and you were catching them too yep but 
having said all that, talk about the other movies that were not in the top ten. Here's the top ten. Another movie that was in the, well, I better back off. I just mentioned them. I messed up my list. Uh, the Time Bandits was number ten. Oh, nice. At number nine was The Four Seasons. It's a romantic comedy with Carol Burnett and Alan Alda. I saw that. Ooh, yeah. Not a man cave movie, but eh, for what it is, it's okay. Yeah. At number eight, a movie like many in the top ten featuring that special man, Bond, James Bond, for your eyes only. Uh, let's see. We did that one, too. We did. Uh, was that, that was the last? Or, no, that would not have been the last. Uh, that's Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Uh, he's, uh, he did a few more after that. Not many. That, that was the... Sheena Easton theme song, right? Sheena Easton did the theme song, but it was a disturbing movie by modern lights because Lynn Holly Johnson <laughs> was playing like a 16-year-old femme fatale trying to seduce Bond. And I think she was actually 18 when the movie came out. But she yeah, probably would have been 16 when the movie was playing, made. <laughs> she was playing a character that's like way too young. So like, you know, in terms of Pedophilia, yeah, Bond. This is a Bond, James Bond movie. Uh, and number seven, one that I think was important to Brian in these days because of what he was doing back when it was made, and that was Chariots of Fire. Yes, yep. very inspirational movie to a track guy. Love that movie. It's great. Van, Van Halen and Gellis uh, theme song. Yep. Uh, Oscar won the Oscar Best Movie that year. So. Another movie, which... I don't think we've done, but we like did its predecessor. Uh, I'm not saying it's a franchise. It's not a franchise, but basically the lead actor might as well have called it a franchise. And that would be The Cannonball Run, starring Burt Reynolds, Roger Moore, Dom DeLuise, Farrah Fawcett, and an all-star cast. That movie is, that's got to get on the list. That movie's freaking hysterical. <laughs> Dean Martin, <laughs> how, Sammy Davis, Adrian Barbeau. You, like, know, oh. you know, when you think about how in the hell have we gone this long and that movie's never gotten on the list? I blame well, I, you. I blame you. I blame you. <laughs> I blame <laughs> you. You failed in your time as El Jefe. <laughs> What's, what's amazing about that movie, too, is that Hal Needham is the director of that movie. And Hal Needham, I, as you know, I adore the old 50s western, so I watch Have Gun, Will Travel. And Hal Needham is not about, he's a, basically a character actor or a stuntman in about every Have Gun, Will Travel episode. But Hal Needham is a stunt dude. That's who he was. And then he yeah. hit it with Smokey and the Bandit. And the next thing you know, he's just rolling out these burnt, you know, these, these burnt vehicles. And they're all, they're all making money. Sponsored yeah. NASCAR teams. I think they sponsored the Skull Bandit team back in those days. Needham no, did. Back, back in the 70s and 80s, it was like, I'm sure all Hal Needham had to do is say, he'd walk into some cafe in Hollywood, sit down with some dude and say, I need like $20 million to like make a movie. And they just like, here, 
and he would like turn into two hundred million dollars. <laughs> That's the way it worked. And number five, another man cave movie that came out here because we did do it. Uh, you might think it's not a man cave movie, but I say it is. And that's a fact, Jack. Stripes. Stripes. Right. Pretty that's sure that's a man did. cave. You guys did that, probably, didn't you? We did. Yeah. It's a great movie. Uh, Original, funny. Again, a lot of. You know, they they sort of wrote it as they went along, but it's it holds up. Still have done meatballs. I think Steve wants to Bill do, right? Murray. Yep, episode no. 101, and I would love to do meatballs. <laughs> At number four, yeah, it was, it was number four. It didn't do anything for me, but I know a lot of people like it. There's it and its sequel, and that would be Arthur with Dudley Moore. Liked it. I liked it. I love Arthur. I had the crisscross theme song, man. I used to play that bad boy. Over and over again. Well, Chris Cross wasn't good. Yeah, it was a big hit. One one hit wonder. Yeah. Yeah. And number three, a movie which was good. I thought I saw it in the movies, but it is the second in a franchise. Superman two. This yeah. is where Superman takes on General Zod. And do you bend the knee to Zod or do you not? Then you should not bend your knee to Zod. They were like those. Uh, although that one gal in there is a B5 connection, as I recall. Uh, she was in a lot of stuff. Actually, she was in a Conan movie. One of the... Uh, like, didn't Zod have like two uh, sidekicks, I believe? The darker-haired female was a British actress who was in some of the Conan stuff. I think second or third Conan movie, mm. and is in some B five. She played Deathwalker, as I recall. She did B5. play Deathwalker. Oh. Yes, is that Sarah Douglas? Sarah yes, Douglas. Sarah She's Douglas. A, yeah. And by the way, uh, back in the day, she was a hottie. She wow. was right out of the. Uh, oh shoot, who's the one that drives us crazy? Steve it was doing the. Uh, oh, she was. Uh, Doing a lot of British movies, Hammer stuff in that around that same time, she was in. Uh, oh shit, she was in some of the Doug McClure like uh, <laughs> movies. <laughs> I, mean, I can't, I can't think. Oh, you know, I, you, you, like you, the Lost World type stuff. Yes. Oh man, but she was of of that ilk. Uh, I'm gonna have to look up Doug McClure movies. I'll figure it out. <laughs> she's she's still signing autographs. <laughs> Doug McClure was a, well, I will just, I, I like throwing out a quote I remember from Doug McClure back in the 90s, which was, y'all, somebody said, like, they're talking to him about his movies and all. He said, like, well, I, I'm Doug McClure, and I was known in the 60s for my brilliant white teeth and great blonde hair. <laughs> and now in the 90s, I'm known for my blonde teeth and brilliant white hair. <laughs> Carolyn Monroe, Steve. Carolyn Monroe, yes. Oh my gosh, she is totally hot. Yep. At number two in 1981, we had on Golden Pond, It Will Never Be a Man Cave Movie. <laughs> you got that right. Uh, but but it, may be a, it, it may be a real life story <laughs> for some yeah. of us in the next few years. Well, but, yeah, uh, but it won't. Uh, but at number one, 
without a doubt, it was a great movie. I loved it. It inspired me. It drove me. Uh, as a matter of fact, we just sort of referenced it a few minutes ago. And that movie was, it broke through, came out of nowhere. I remember going to see it on a hot summer day and being thoroughly entertained. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, nice. Yep. Great flick. I mean, the second I say it, doesn't the opening orchestral music hit you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does. But anyways, that's the top ten of 1981, plus a whole bunch of other movies that came out in 81. This was a great year for Man Cave Movies for us, but I will admit that a big reason it's a big year is because this was a year that we were all, at least I was, a young adult. I had little money in my pocket, and I was going to all these movies and catching them all, and I was thoroughly entertained in 1981. We would go to at least one, I don't know how I could afford it because still in college, but we would go on date to at least one movie a weekend, sometimes two. Yeah, that's the way it was. And those are but, movies that hold up, by the way, most of those. Most of these do hold up. But anyways, that's it. So I'll pass it off, and Steve, take it away. All right, well, thanks, Ken. Uh, that is uh, that is a great lineup of uh of movies i know we've i think we've talked some 81 movies before because i know we've done them um obviously just a couple weeks ago or just a couple a, movies back just a couple movies back but man that's it, it really gives you a pretty good idea how great the early 80s were for movies um but anyway so there you go that is it with uh, brother what you're drinking and the top 10 of 1981 i, I have to ask one question and sure. that is how is it that Arnold did not appear in 1981? Uh, when did Conan come out? 82? I thought Conan was oh. 81. No, couldn't have been. Uh, if it was, it would have surely no, appeared Conan, in my Co list. Conan was I'm 82. Checking. It was 82. Conan so the next year is when Arnold exploded onto the scene. Pretty much. Pretty much. All right. So, yeah. Uh, there you go. That is it with uh, the top 10 of 1981. So, guys, it is now time to move on to, and correct me if I'm wrong, but do we do, uh, we're doing the, the checklist, right? I don't know. Well, if you wanted, if you got the checklist, you can hit Let's us do the checklist. It. I got a checklist. Christ, I got to remember what the hell the checklist was. And I, got, I wasn't even prepared for this. See, Muncie dropped this on me like 10 minutes ago. And now I, I'm scrambling, trying to find my, uh, what do I do? What do I do? Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I think I got this shit down. So anyway, we'll be moving on to the, uh, the checklist. Obviously, sans clips because we're kind of winging this i my my mixer broke and that's kind of what drove me into retirement until once you drove me back in so anyway all right <clears throat> let's see number one did anyone jump out of a window <laughs> i don't know about windows but the bars to the prison got blown open or torn open 
You know what? They did jump. They jumped through a window. Did they? Well, oh. actually, no, because like there was no window left because it was a wall, <laughs> broken, busted wall. All right, so there you go. That's a that's a yes. All right, number two. Was there an irrelevant female role in the movie? I'll say no, because I think Lindsay Wagner's role was perfectly fine and uh, added a little extra dimension to the movie. Yeah. Well, considering there's only three, and Lindsay only had the only, uh, well, there was Lindsay Wagner, there was Serrano's girlfriend who didn't even speak because she had tape over her mouth, and then they had the, the hooker who... Did a lot well, of Anthony Anthony Quinn's squeeze was oh. kind of a kind of hot and aroused. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. <laughs> All right. The comment standard on its own. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice. All right. So last uh, or not last? Was the next one? It is. Uh, was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? I did not hear one. I'm not hearing one, so. and you know what's really disappointing? There should have been one. This movie screamed for a Wilhelm scream. Yeah, True. you're right. So that's I I'm I'm I, I might have to adjust my rating just because of that. All right, let's see. Uh, could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? In 1981, hell yes, Tony Katane would have been like 17 or 18. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, she yeah. would have. She would have been two years prior to Bachelor Party. I think she did Bachelor Party in 83, 84. So she'd have been in her early 20s. Uh, she'd have been perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she could have pulled it. Actually, nothing against Lindsay Wagner. Because Lindsay Wagner is actually a better actress than Tawny Katane. But Tawny Katane would have been fine. I think Tawny <laughs> I'm actually surprised he didn't have Tawny Katane and they got Lindsay Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. Okay, was there an AT montage in any part of this movie? This whole movie was an AT montage. You're absolutely right, Ken. Thank you for bringing that up. Because like I'm I like, said earlier, this was made simultaneously with the A-Team. The whole mindset flows through. Right. All right. Last and certainly not least, was there a Babylon 5 reference in this movie? Well, since since Jeff is not here, I took it upon myself. Actually, Did you find it? Uh, there's nothing. I couldn't find it. Yeah, there's not, not, not a whole lot. So, uh, So there are no B5 references in this movie. All right. Uh, well, there you go, folks. That's it with um, uh, the checklist. Kind of not not totally disappointing, but uh, there was um, a couple. Of, I mean, I, there should have been a Wilhelm scream. Should have been a Wilhelm scream. I'm just. Uh. But moving on. I agree. I what agree. movie did we do a few weeks back that had a Wilhelm scream that caught us all, just shocked us all that there was a Wilhelm scream? And I can't think what it was, but there was a movie. It might have been the. Uh, the Western with Jeff Bridges in it. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, there was a movie we did within reason recent times that there was a Wilhelm scream, and I think we were all blown away by the fact that it had it in there. I don't think it was Hell or High Water, but it was a movie of that ilk where I think we just didn't expect it. But anyway, sorry, change the subject on you. But well, that's all right, no problem. All right, folks, so that is it with the checklist. So we are now moving on to our review of this great and fantastic film. 
Um, you know, I'm going to leave Ken for last. So, uh, Brian, let's start with you. Okay. Well, you know, it's not high art. All right. I, I get it. <laughs> and I, I, I think you got to, you got to, this movie means a lot of di- works, means a lot of different things to me on a lot of different levels. <laughs> Obviously, I can't think of this movie without thinking of Ken first and just some of the stuff, the good times and the goofy things we've done. So it's hard for me to separate that. But uh, it, purely from the movie's perspective, you know, they jump right into the movie. Uh, you can't look too deep at some of the things. Uh, but, you know, it's a fun little romp. Again, don't take it too awfully serious. Uh, but the circumstance is is a really kind of a fun thought uh, exercise. Like, what would you do if? <laughs> if you and your buddies could steal $10 million from a bad dude and maybe get away with it. You know, 10 million today, you know, a million then, but, yeah. you know, but, but, you know, it's, it's interesting. And the casting is pretty good. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the guys who are kind of the most over the top in the movies were Borg nine, you know, what briefly period of time he was in and, and, uh, and, and uh, Anthony Quinn and, uh, uh, although, uh, Coburn wasn't that much over top, but they, you know, but back certain background, you had some great actors in the movie, fun movie. Uh, I don't want to belabor this too much. I'm going to give this movie a seven. Uh, it was an entertaining movie. I enjoyed it. I'd see it again. There you go. All right. Nice. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to jump in front of Ken here and, um, I'm going to kind of echo what uh, Brian said. I I personally enjoyed this movie. I, I honestly remember watching this. Oh, God, I, I, it's been years and years and years ago. And I actually had a, 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 a different viewing of it the second time. Because I remember the first time I watched it, I'm like, I don't even know if I finished it. Because <laughs> when I watched it the second time, I'm like, I don't remember a lot of these different scenes. So I don't know if I just never never finished it but it um it it's a lot of fun you you've got to watch it even though it's and, and and just so you know folks i know what ken said about the transfer is not the best when you're originally watching it it at least for me i know what you're saying ken it actually it seemed like the uh the picture quality improved i thought it looked a little bit better but i mean when you're watching it um if you're our age, it's like watching a movie from the, or watching a TV show from the seventies. That's pretty much the picture quality. So don't look for any high def or anything fancy, but sound quality is good. Picture quality does improve, uh, within about the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. So don't, don't, don't let that scare you off, but I do highly recommend seeing this. It is a lot of fun. It's very enjoyable. Uh, I will give this movie, uh, I'll give it a solid seven. Well, I'll jump in there. Right. And uh, I'm the guy that said, let's do it. I loved this movie back in my younger days. I think I alluded in my opening comments the fact that, you know, memories fade, time goes on. 
I think everything. I'll repeat everything you guys said. I think everybody picked up. I I still like this movie. I can't say I love the movie though. It's you know lost. It's it's kind of dated. It's a period piece. Uh, could have been written better in some ways, but it's kind of unique, kind of original, kind of you know stands on its own. If you had asked me in 1985 or 87 what I thought of this movie, I would have given it a 10. Today, with my vast maturity and more <laughs> sophistication, uh, I'm going to give it a 7.75. I can't say I love it. can't really even say I really, really like it, but I can't say I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. And the 7.75 reflects that all right well there you go i think we're all on the same page i think we all pretty much um you know see this in the same in the same light so um like i said folks i would go out there and find this on youtube put it on watch it you were i i promise you you will not be disappointed it is a is a fun fun movie uh i think you'll enjoy it so there you go. Well, guys, uh, I've actually kind of enjoyed this. I, I enjoy coming back and uh, doing the show. And although Jeff said he was going to do the edit, but I might surprise him and uh, see if my editing skills are still up to snuff and, uh, and just send him the uh, final version to upload. But um, uh, guys, hope you had a good time doing the show. I know I did. I did enjoy coming back and sitting in the saddle again behind the... Uh, uh, the microphone and um, I don't know I, I haven't been monitoring the uh, the Facebook pages uh, in, in a while but I know there's been some commentary out there I think there's been some uh, feedback that has been uh, roughly positive although I do want to say uh, just real quick speaking of the Facebook page and the feedback uh, I think Jeff posted something up there about one of the shows now I can't remember and one of our uh, longtime listeners um, uh, Cameron you're out there listening uh, you you would uh, I think Jeff had posted something about snatch and uh, checking out some of the guy Ritchie movies oh yeah yeah and I'm just gonna tell you right now King Arthur don't don't do it don't watch it don't do it it's 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 bad. It's bad. I, I can't tell you how bad it is. It's not even Ken Roney Arthur bad. It's it that. is zero oh. point zero. Oh, my God. It is. I mean, this is bad. Um, I would watch Clive Owen doing Arthur like every day before I'd go back and watch that piece of garbage again. I I almost wonder if Guy Ritchie was like on shrooms i i'm sitting here going what in the hell is this um but that being said uh do go see some of the other guy richie stuff snatch is a hysterical movie that and locks lock stock and two smoking barrel barrel <laughs> which I, we've I done which we've done You've got to go see them. They are enjoyable movies. They're so much fun. I've said it before. He he kind of does a Tarantino-style um, storyline, and I think he actually makes it better, and he does a very good job at it. 
and the Sherlock Holmes movies. I'm a huge fan of them. Uh, we did uh, we did the first one on the show. Um, I would like to do the second one sometime. So um, maybe next time Jeff breaks his computer or whatever, I'll uh, I'll put that one out there for us to do. They're very very good. They're very enjoyable. I am a big Guy Ritchie fan. Uh, the Arthur movie was a huge disappointment. It was um, it was very disappointing, and it, it it I'm just telling you right now has absolutely zero to do with the Arthur legend. So just if you well the the ads looked awesome for that movie by the way. Yeah, well, I'd see the ads that came out. I yeah, thought, oh man, yeah, and then I read it's, reviews. It's I never it's, I never saw it. It has nothing to do with the Arthur legend. It has zero to do with it. All they did was like borrow names. Oh, we're gonna make an Arthur movie, and I was all excited. I'm like, this, what, what the? I, I'm like, seriously, I'm like, pardon my French. What the fuck is this? I was in, I mean, I literally was infuriated over this movie. I'm about to do a Ken Roney on Arthur thing right now, so I'm gonna stop because it. I was. It, I, it is. It is a classic story. It's a mythic story. Yeah. It's like fundamental to. Our culture, yeah, and all they have to do is take the story and show it, yeah. But anytime they get time to do King Arthur or Robin Hood or anything else anymore, it's like, oh, we need to like put our personal stamp of creativity on yeah. this and make it make it better. And it's like you can't make a myth better, right? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll you know, not the exact same thing, but like you know. It's the uh, I'll call it the the elves at Helm Deep phenomenon. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like okay, yeah, you can throw hel- elves at Helm's Deep, but you you're not improving the story. You're detracting from the story. As much as I like the Lord of the Rings series, Peter Jackson screwed up in several instances because he tried to put his own personal stamp on it. Don't put your own personal stamp on a perpetual myth. You're not going to improve Beowulf or King Arthur or Robin Hood. Just film them straight, do them honest, give right. them respect. Yep. People will love it. And I will say, I, I still stand to this day, and I've already closed out the Beach and Files so because I, I can't look it up. But if you want to see a good Arthur movie, get Excalibur, John Borman, yep. 1980, I believe. Um yeah, you get if you can get beyond the fact that there were in plate mail before plate mail was around at that time. It is about the best. It is. I I, I will say I, it's no, the it, best. It, I, I don't know it, a better it, one. It, it is the best. It is the best movie about King Arthur you're ever going to see. And I, yeah. honest to God, don't think they're ever going to come up with something better. It is well because they the people that made that movie respected the material right. and they weren't sitting there going like, well, I think if I like throw some of my personal political commentary into it and put my own creative stamp on the story. It'll be better. It's like, no, you, no, you won't. Right. Don't do that. Stop it. Agreed. So there you go. And that is, uh, that's it with our commentary on those type of movies. So (laughs) see what you did, Cameron, you had to mention Guy Ritchie's Arthur and look what you did to us. So this, this is your fault for this uh, podcast going over time. All right, so there you go, folks. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review. I have enjoyed coming back here and uh, hosting a show for Jeff. Uh, I hope we do keep this thing going on forward. And um, so there you go. We are done with episode uh, 250. 
We're down wow. 250. Jeff, 50 more episodes that we're doing Deep Blue Sea, buddy. We're halfway. We're halfway there. And you know what? If I got to step in about every other week to shorten the time, I might do it just just to see so your head. Zardoz was 100? No, Zardoz was 200. No, but it was it was two we're 250 it was 200 yeah. but i but the point is we're we talked about when we hit zardoz if we ever made it to to, to 300 we yeah. would do deep, deep blue sea yeah so because we never even thought we would get to 200 now we're pushing on 300 and that's what's nuts yeah as nuts as muncie went a couple weeks ago over just some references to deep <laughs> by the way all i said was i didn't hate deep blue sea that's all i said <laughs> I know, and and he, it's, it is, it's his, it's his Niagara Falls. Well, Deep Blue Sea does have Thomas Jane. Yeah, yeah I like Jane Thomas a Jane actor, a lot. And, and he, his role was pretty good in Deep Blue Sea. Yes, and Samuel L. Jackson's got one of the best speeches ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is such. I, I I'll be honest. I would watch that movie just to see that scene because <laughs> you're like. Fucking A, Bubba. <laughs> the, 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 scene, the scene is out on YouTube. You can watch it in isolation. Oh. Uh. All right. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with the Mad Cave Movie Review, episode 250. We will be back again if Jeff gets his computer uh, working. Uh, if not, you know what? I may have to step back up to the, uh, the golden microphone again. So uh, that's it. <sighs> I am your host signing off with my very good and dear friend, uh, Ken. What was your lead in? I forgot already. <laughs> uh, something about hit, oh. hit me in the head. Yeah, Ken. Okay, I got to wait for Brian to get done. He's making Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, there you go. So that is it with Mankey Movie Review Episode 250. I will be signing off and saying, My good and dear friend, Ken. Well, just hit him in the head with this gun, Roni. Well, you know, we could have wrapped this thing up 15 minutes ago. But we're like the movie. You never know who else is going to wander onto the <laughs> runway and slow down the exit. <laughs> nice. Oh, that would be Jeff. That would have been Jeff, right? <laughs> All right, yeah. and uh, also saying farewell, adieu, our Wiedersehen, good night, good luck, and sleep tight is our other good and dear friend. The Reverend Deuteronomy Scads are also known as Brian. Hey, who wants to go fishing? Miller. No, I'm just going to walk off to the sunset with me and Ernest Borgnine. All right. And let's say I do. Adieu. Adieu. All right. All right, folks. Well, that's it. I'm host Steve Michael signing off. And I just want to say one thing. I usually don't do one of these parting shots, but I'm just going to say it now. You know what really bothers me about this? Is I used to be a podcasting general. You guys aren't even professionals. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm out. (laughs) I can hear the... I can hear the motor of this podcast sputtering in the distance. <laughs>